Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the Word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Good morning. It's an honor to be in front of you this morning. My name is Nathaniel Diener. I'm the worship leader here. Um, been the worship leader for about three years. I moonlight as the worship leader, actually. My full-time job is with the ambulance service. I want to take a moment. Uh, we did a special welcome for guests this morning. I, want to, I, want to, I felt like the Lord told me to, a special welcome to those that are our elderly saints that are stuck at home right now. Some of you are battling cancer, stroke, pulmonary fibrosis. Some of you haven't been able to be here for years. Know that you are not forgotten. We love you. We care about you. We pray for you often. We're hoping that even today, every, every Sunday, that the, that the Holy Spirit invades your home just like he does here. You're not forgotten. Let's, uh, before I get on, moving on too fast, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to inhabit this place. We need you. I need you. Lord, speak through me. Use me as a vessel. May our hearts be open. May our hearts be good ground. Lord, I rebuke the devourer that the seed that is planted today would not be stolen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So like I said, I, uh, I work with the ambulance service. I'm going to start with reading some song lyrics. Um, I'm a worship leader. It's kind of what I do. Music is who I am. Uh, there's a space In every beating heart, there's a longing that reaches past the stars. There's an answer to every question mark. There is a name. There's a voice that echoes through the pain. There's a joy that triumphs over fear. There's a laughter that wipes away all tears. There's a presence that changes atmospheres. There is a name. There's an answer to every question mark, and that answer is always Jesus. Our world is asking a lot of questions. Near and far. Especially in this nation lately, we've been seeing there's a lot of questions being answered. The answer is always Jesus. Amen? Amen. The answer is always Jesus. And we have that answer. We have that answer. We're going to talk a little bit here in Acts chapter 1. As you see, witnessing, we're going to be talking about witnessing. The Lord has been working on this area hot and heavy with me lately. Last couple of years probably. We think about what, sometimes it's easier to see the needs in foreign countries than it is right here at home. I work with the ambulance service. I said, I've walked in homes. People still live on dirt floors in this county. People in this neighborhood overdose on $20 worth of drugs in this neighborhood. People on their last end of life transport by ambulance telling me it's too late. I've been too bad. And me unsuccessfully trying to convince them that it's never too late. That's in this town. We need Jesus in this town. In this town, in this county. In this town, we are with... I want to read the scripture. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my wit- be witnesses to me. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are all called to be witnesses. I think sometimes it's easy, easy to make, well, I'm not, I'm not an evangelist. I don't. That's not my thing. But we're all called to be witnesses. What's a witness? To say, to give a testimony of what we've said, seen, and experienced, right? And all of us that have been saved by grace through our Lord Jesus Christ are witnesses to the greatest miracle in history. The greatest miracle is not straightened legs. It's not raising from the dead. It's not opening blind eyes. Why? Because those don't impact eternity. Ada is four years old. If she was crippled and the Lord healed her legs, how long would that impact her? Maybe 116 years. But if he changes her heart, that's for eternity. The greatest miracle is salvation. And we are witnesses to the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle. But sometimes it's, uh, we're usually not good at witnessing right away. It usually takes a little bit of time. I mean, the, the disciples had three years with Jesus, and they still screwed up often. It's, uh, so we need practice. When we were in college, Mallory and I met at Ball State, and we went to Touch Fire Ministries. And about once a quarter, our pastor, Pastor Scott, would come in and goes, all right, guys, we're not going to have church today. We're going to walk the, camp, the streets of campus, and we're going to talk to people about Jesus. Now, you can imagine a bunch of college kids, how excited they were about that. I don't remember how I responded outwardly. I remember how I responded inwardly. Oh, no. I don't want to do that. What am I going to say? I don't know what to say. What if I say something stupid? I don't know what to say. And he did it often enough that when you've been there for a little while, you started to expect it. Like if he had done it for a while, like, man, I think he's going to do it. I think I'm sick tonight. I don't think I can go Saturday night. My belly hurts. But then if you, then if you, if you sucked it up and you went and he didn't do it, you were relieved. Oh, thank God. I don't think I could take it today. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I just need my dose of Jesus and go home. We don't say that, do we? I just need my dose of Jesus, and then I need to go home. Now, think about it this way. If Pastor Rick showed up next week and said, okay, guys, we're going to walk the streets of the Lincoln Central neighborhood, which is this neighborhood, and we're going to tell people about Jesus. Now, I'm sure all you good Christian folks wouldn't respond the same way I did. But I have a feeling that many of us are like, oh, no, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to say. What am I going to say? There's a troubling trend in, I, I was reading an article by George Barna that said, in 1993, one in 10 practicing believers believed that the, the church was responsible for all ministering of the gospel. So one out of 10 believed it wasn't their responsibility. In, in 2013, three out of 10 believe it's not their responsibility. That is wrong. It is our responsibility to minister the gospel to the people around us. And I know it's hard. I know there's that wash of fear I talked about when you, oh, I don't know what to do. And sometimes we get that same wash of fear when we step into the break room and we see two tables down the office outcast. And the Lord's telling us, go talk to them. I don't want to do that. I don't know what to say. Do you know how that person backtalked me five minutes ago? But he's still telling us. Because we have, we have the answer inside of us. And his name is Jesus. He is the answer to every question. The answer to every question. I don't consider myself an evangelist. I've never considered myself an evangelist. But witnessing 
is, has nothing to do with personality or gifting. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with telling what you've seen and heard. Think, think about a legal witness. If I'm a lawyer and I've got a witness that's, that's got eyewitness account that can, that can make my defendant, that's what it's called, defendant not guilty, do I care about their personality? No. I care about their credibility. I care about what they've seen and heard, and I care about their credibility. How many of us are giving away our credibility with the world right now? Think about it. What would your, what would your coworkers say about your credibility? Would we say we're coming with a good attitude, that we're working hard? What would, what would your family say about your credibility? What would your Facebook friends say about your credibility? Some of us are ruining our credibility by what we're putting on Facebook. I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't, I don't do a lot of the... the I, I try to be very deliberate on what I do on Facebook because we ruin our credibility. It's, we, we, when we were in college, this, this group would come around every year and would hold up signs saying, you're going to hell, but they thought they were the reincarnate Noah. And they were really mean. They were, they weren't, it wasn't Jesus at all. So, we, we get, so I, the freshman year, I was on my way to an 8 o'clock class. It was terrible, terrible 8 o'clock class. It's amazing how I get up early now. Uh, it was English, and I sat down, and the guy that sat next to me, looked, we were talking about He looked at me and goes, I'm a Jew, and I know that's not Jesus Christ. How is Facebook any different than holding up a sign on the corner that is misinterpreted by 95% of, what, of the people who see it? How is it any different? So we've got to watch our credibility. Stop giving it away. We are eyewitness testimonies. We are called to be credible witnesses. We are only responsible for the testimony that we give. That eyewitness testimony is not responsible for the outcome of the case. They are only responsible for the witness that they give. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The answer is always Jesus. But Jesus never expected perfection. He's never expected perfection. In Hebrews it says, he's a compassionate high priest that knows our weaknesses. He knows our weaknesses. I, I appreciate when I read the scripture that how many, when he interacts with the disciples, he's gracious with them. He allows them to make mistakes. He allows them to make mistakes. I wasn't planning, I'm going to flip to Mark chapter 9 real quick. Real quick. Um, He allows them to make mistakes. So the, the disciples, he sends them out two by two. They heal the sick. They cast out demons. He sends them out. They, they come back. Even the demons are subject to us. And then Jesus goes up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. But the nine are left down here to fend for themselves. So a, a man brings the boy to try to heal them, and they fail. And they fail. Jesus allows them to fail. If he wanted to protect them, he could have brought them with him. 
but he allows them to experience failure. You know what? I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. We don't have to. <laughs> but the, or, or think about Peter. How many times? P- Peter is very relatable. If you need somebody to relate to, look at Peter. Because he does something really great, followed up by usually something really dumb. Really dumb. And if Jesus wanted to protect him from mistakes, he would have said, you know what? Something great's about to happen. Just be quiet. Just don't talk after because you're just going to say something dumb. Um, God is gracious. God is gracious to us. He loves us. He does not expect perfection. We're going to make mistakes when we witness. The important thing is giving an account from telling what we've seen or heard. And we've seen the greatest miracle, the greatest miracle on this planet. I want everybody to take out your phone, if you would, please. I want you to text yourself. Since we don't have bulletins or anything like that, I want you to text yourself the main point today that I don't want you to forget. Um, Text yourself. If you can go ahead and bring it up. It's witnessing is simply a learned skill. It's okay to make mistakes. Witnessing is simply a learned skill. It is okay to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. I, could, I remember my, the greatest mistake I made in this. I was, it was before we moved, moved here. I, I waited tables at a restaurant, and it was like 10.30 at night, and the, it, was, it, it was really slow. We were just kind of sitting around talking, and this, I was talking to this lady, and, and the conversation turned towards Jesus, and it, which it never had. And I remember that conversation going so badly, so badly. Have you ever been in a conversation where you can see it on their face? They want out. They want out. Like, I'm going to be polite and say, but they, they want out. That was how she, how she looked. So, so, not, so it went, went terrible, terribly. And come to find out five or ten minutes later, she had $300 stolen out of her purse the same time we were talking. The same time we were talking. So I felt bad enough before I felt even, I felt terrible after. Is she going to equate Jesus with losing money? Felt terrible, terrible, terribly. But we need a different perspective. Do I think of it as a, a, it went bad? Yes. Do I think of it as a failure? No. And here's why. Because... I may have learned something here that this person needs to know. We're not, we're, it's not just for this person. I may learn something here that the person down the line may desperately need to hear and will change their life because of what I learned from trying back here. They desperately need. And, and think about that one lady. Well, what about for her? Well, what in 10 years, she remembers, you know what? He did terrible, but at least he cared about me enough to tell me. Or, or if she dies and goes to hell, why didn't anybody tell me? Because you either go to hell or you go to heaven if you die. That's your choice. But it's okay to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. Set yourself free from the results. Because the results are not ours. 
the results of the Lord. In Proverbs, it says the horse is prepared for battle, but the victory is the Lord's. We prepare ourselves for, for the battle by trying, by trying. A few things uh, to consider. You know, I, th- I don't think Pastor Scott, our pastor in college, expected us to win the whole campus on a, fr- on a Saturday night when we went out and, and spoke. But I think he expected us to get better at it, to get more comfortable with it. If you think about it, the more, the more we do something, the more comfortable we get. The more comfortable we get, the more comfortable the people we do it with are. I used to give plasma in college. Yes, I sold my body for money. It was all I had. I didn't have any money. It was, it was not an immoral way. I was selling my body twice a week. I could make 50 bucks a week selling my body for money in college. <laughs> and I w- always hoped there was this elderly, well, she was probably in her 50s. Uh, <laughs> man, that was bad. That was, maybe he can edit it out of that one, edit that one out. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was always hoping for this one lady. I think her name was Margie. I, I don't know if that's right. But she had been doing it. <laughs> That's no offense to any Margies around here either. I don't know. Uh, but she, she'd been doing it for years. And she was rough, and she would, she would go, but she always got it straight in my vein. The other ones, you could tell the people that had been doing it for two weeks. Yeah. And you're like, no, this is going to hurt. And they're just digging. They're just digging. They're just digging. But because she was comfortable, I was more comfortable. Because they were uncomfortable, I was more uncomfortable. Does that make sense? So the more we do it, the more we become comfortable, the more we make people that we're talking to feel comfortable. And it's more natural. It's okay to do it out of obedience. We don't have to want to do it, to be quite honest. Jesus tells the story of the two sons that he asked, the, the father asked them to work in the vineyard. The first one says, I'll go, but then doesn't go. The second one says, I don't want to go, but goes. Who does the will of the father? the one who chooses to work in the vineyard even though he doesn't want to. It's okay to not want to do it. To be quite honest, because if we do it then, we'll get used to it, and the desire will grow with inside of us. Does that make sense? It's okay to do it out of obedience. And we have that wash of fear. We have to do it afraid. We've, we've been singing that song. We've been singing about fear a lot lately. And part of that is birthed out of everything that's going on with COVID and everything else, but I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. If we get that fear and we choose not to do something, we're a slave to fear at that point. But if we, if we have the fear and we push through it, then we're now no longer a slave to fear. Does that make sense? We have to choose to push past the fear. Think about the uh, parable of the talents. The one who was afraid hid it in the ground and was called a wicked and lazy servant because he did nothing and lost it anyway because he was afraid, because he did nothing. Like I said, with the, with the witnessing, we're learning from mistakes. If we will approach it as learning and not expecting ourselves to be perfect, but to get better. My, my, uh, my father, I'm thankful for his approach when I was in high school, when I would screw up. And he usually wouldn't get on me like, you ruined my reputation. You've done this or that. He would say, what did you learn from it? What did you learn from it? Learn from it and move on. And I think that's what we need 
how to approach this, that we learn from it, move on. Learn from it, move on. We also need to look for the squeeze. Look for the squeeze. Well, nobody likes to be squeezed. Nobody likes to be squeezed. But the older I get, the more I, f- when I, I feel like I'm being squeezed, the Lord's trying to do something in me. The Lord's trying to get something out of me because I'm not going to give it out willingly <laughs> most of the time. When I worked, started working at the ambulance service six years ago, the first four years I basically had the same partner, two or three partners the whole time. Well, about two years ago, they started switching partners every I have a new partner every night. And I'll be honest, I hated it at the beginning. I hate change. I, I dislike change. And I like, I like knowing what's, I like, I'm a planner, so I, I like to know what's coming. I hated it at the beginning. But I have had more conversations with more people in those last two years and probably in the, maybe the 10 before because the Lord forced me to have relationships with other people. So sometimes we don't want to do some of the stuff that he squeezes out of us, but it's for our good. But it's for our good. Look for the squeeze. Because God has options. I was listening to Stephen Furtick. This has been a while ago, but he, he was pointing out how God has options. But he chose us. That, pers- that person in the break room, the outcast, God chose us to be in their life because he wanted us in their life. Not someone else, he wanted us. He has options. He can put, that goes for parents too. God chose your kids for you because he wanted you to be their parents. That makes sense. God chose. God chose us. God chose each one of us to minister because we have something to offer. We have something to offer. Well, we're trucking right along today, aren't we? <laughs> uh, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be fear, and that is okay. We're going to make mistakes. That's okay. That's how we get better. So I encourage you. What says to lift up our eyes, the harvest is ripe. It is ripe all around us. The, the world is asking questions. How do we rectify this racial divide? How do, we, how do we provide for our families? How do we stay safe with COVID? The answer is always Jesus. It is always Jesus. It's not more programs. It's not more money. It's not more laws. It's not more health care. The answer is always Jesus. We have that answer. We have that answer. And the opportunities are there. If we will look up, our opportunities are there. And, and with that squeeze I was talking about, I think when the Lord pushes us to do something different, a lot of times it creates more opportunities. Think about the, I've been doing some of those videos with the kids, uh, and I get so many comments, even on scenes from firefighters, say, hey, I really appreciated your music. No, that's nothing to us, but I, I think when you do something new that you don't necessarily always want to do, the Lord's going to use it to work in people. Or the, when the church, I, got, I, I was able to launch off the, when the church does the EMS outreach, I had so many people come up and be like, thank you so much for what your church did. And it is an easy launch. And it, well, you guys are welcome anytime you want. Anytime you want. So when we do something new, too, I think it gives the Lord more opportunities. 
But it's not just about thoughts and it's about putting feet to it. Um, you know what the team, we're going we're to move right along. The team can go on ahead and come on up. Um, uh, this week, I've got something I want you to do. And uh, it's not, it's, well, I want you to bring eight people you prayed the salvation with this week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. One, one conversation. That's what I want your goal to be this week. One conversation about our Lord. One conversation. The opportunities are there. And I think it's not about manufacturing opportunity. I think they're there more than we realize. We don't have to manufacture them usually. They're there. So we're going we're to take a few moments and just be quiet before the Lord and just ask the Lord, who this week are you wanting me to have a conversation with? Just a conversation, that's all we're talking about. Both of you give Just a conversation. Let's just take a few moments and just talk to the Lord. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.